This is your captain speaking. Welcome to another episode of DJ's Aviation Podcast. All systems are go, so lean back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show. This is DJ's Aviation Podcast. Everything aviation. Everything aviation. Aviation news, airline developments, analyzing route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news, and we talk about world events and life. DJ's Aviation has a Discord server that's officially partnered with Discord, and you can join with a link in the show notes or using the vanity URL discord.gg slash aviation. This is the DJ's Aviation Podcast, and now your host, Dan. So thank you very much for taking the time to sit down with me. Um, obviously, we pushed this interview back, so I hope you are feeling uh, much better since you're about with COVID. Um, when I learned about your story first and Kathleen put me in contact with you, I was very, very excited and uh, I've never interviewed a chief pilot before. I had the chance to speak to someone and I think it offers up a unique angle to the industry that is going to interest many different people and I just I simply couldn't resist. I've split the interview into various different areas that we'll explore, so a little bit about you, the company, Honda Jets and so forth, and I think it can really build upon a, a great discussion. So before I get underway, uh, do you want to tell me and anyone that may be listening a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. So my name is Azim Sumar. I'm the Chief Pilot and Director of Training for Velato. A brief kind of history about me, um, I moved to the U.S. from Kenya and um, went about getting our pilot's licenses. And then, of course, one thing led to another. We ended up staying. And then when I say we, it was my cousin and I. Um, and so I instructed, just like any other path uh, for pilots, while you know we were going through that 9-11 stuff and the industry was trying to get back to where it needed to be. Um, went on to be an assistant chief pilot from there on and then had a little bit of a sabbatical got back into it as an instructor or check airman with Flight Safety International um, and you know did my EASA training and checking get that and then went back home to Africa to fly just for a short stint just to get that uh, experience and the itch um, realized I was too Americanized to be re-Africanized mm-hmm. so I had to come back um, and then went on to be with Cessna on their production flight test team. And, you know, that was a learning curve for me too. And it was a tremendous amount of experience that, that I gained over there. Um, came back to instruction in the Gulfstream just to get, you know, larger cabin experience and went to fly Gulfstreams. And then, you know, in aircraft training as a director of training. Um, went on to become now took a step back and, and then or a step forward and, and got into management with an outfit that was a friend of mine and then got on with the course Jetit and you know helped them build their flight department as the director of training and chief pilot um, and then went into Mr. Leota at NBAA and here we are. What a, what a journey and I think one of the questions I had which I think is always very important is like you've said, you've been through so many different areas in your career. And I guess, did you take something from each of these positions and apply it to your next job, say a learning curve for you with each position? I certainly did. And, you know, it's 
it's just like any other um, career or job that you do and you take bits and pieces from everything that correlates to tell you where you are and being blessed to or fortunate to try every aspect from flight test, which means now you get the engineering side of your brain going to instructional side. Now that gives you a little more representation skill. And then of course the pilot skill, which is the easier part in my opinion. Um, you put it all together and you, I think it helped, helped me be a better manager of my truth pilot. Totally. And it, uh, it really highlights, and this is something I'll always mention to people, just how big and vast the aviation industry is. Um, at the end of the day, if we're, you're an average traveler, you'll jump on board the aircraft. You may or may not see the pilots. You'll definitely see the cabin crew, some airport stuff. But other than that, that's it kind of stops there. Of course, you may see some people driving the little trucks out on the airport, but there's a whole nother world to it. And I think what's so interesting about having a chat with you today is we're exploring different areas that some people may not know too much about, but it may be of interest to them. So with that being said, you've had a, a lot of experience, and at the moment now we know you're with Honda Jets and dealing a lot with that. Uh, this is a community-driven question, and, and they were curious as to what led you to Honda Jets. Was there something that appealed maybe more so at, about the company? Um, as, as you mentioned, you've been in various different areas, but now you're here. So what sort of led you to, I guess, Honda Jets? It, it goes way back when I was still in my, I guess, green stages when my first uh, experience at MBAA, which was in 2006, and Honda had just announced that aircraft at MBAA, and and I followed it since then. Um, and of course, when 10 years later, when they actually, you know, got it to production and started selling it, I, uh, I ran into to Glenn, who was selling an aircraft to a friend of mine, and one thing led to another. We started talking. I, I, I got to see the airplane and wanted to get in the production test with Honda. Um, unfortunately, I went a different direction and then ran into Glenn again years later in the Honda jet. And it just fascinated me as to how far they got with the aircraft. And when I first flew it or looked at it with Glenn and then eventually uh, got on with, with Jet, it, um, it, it just, it was very pleasing to see how far that airplane got and has gotten and continues mm -hmm. to do as we speak. Um, and, you know, Honda's obviously Honda, you know, they do everything right uh, or they don't stop until it's done right. So um, that's really what got me going is, is the fact that it's Honda. Mm -hmm. and, and the backing that they have and what they've done with the airplane since they first launched it or announced it. Of course, and um, you actually led me right into another question I had, so <laughs> good job with that. But I guess since the beginning, like you said, it was a bit of a time ago, how has Honda Jets developed? And I guess you've witnessed many changes, and one thing I've always noticed about the company has been innovation has been key. And I think that's something you briefly just touched on. There's been a lot of changes, but in a positive direction. And I guess you being able to sit and observe that, what changes have you uh, noticed in the company? Well, I mean, when, when they first got the airplane out or launched it, you know, it uh, it was almost in par with, with their competitor, which was the M2. And it was just a little niche below that. And then, you know, almost a year later, you know, they announced, they announced the Elite, and that was right there, you know, if not with the M2 and above. 
the aesthetics of it, the the backing that they had, the engineering side of things. You know, they had calls from engineers, Textron or Cessna engineers, um, and they worked together to bring a, a product that you know you can clearly see is is setting records out there um, with the amount of deliveries that they've given out. Mm-hmm. Especially in recent years, I mean, if you have a look at the table, yeah. the spike has been been huge, and I guess that innovation, the constant. I guess desire to advance really does pay off in this and doing it correctly. Like you said, Honda does it and they make sure to make it right. And at the end of the day, that's a massive thing when we're talking the safety of people on board and how important engineering is and and like you said, safety. Um, So obviously a lot has happened in the past couple of years with Honda Jets. And I'm sure for you, you're probably no doubt passionate about the company and where they're going in the future. So where do you see the next five to 10 years for Honda Jets? Do you see them as just going to continue to spread their wings and innovate? I think so. Um, You know, you've seen they announced uh, the Elite 2 soon after the Elite, and then of course the 2600. Um, And there's no stopping. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they've they've had a good change, not a good, but a, a change in management, which is good. Um, the thought process is obviously now they're starting to to venture out. They're looking at more on the facilities for service, so they expand their their uh, web on that. Um, I, I think you know once the twenty six hundred comes out, it there's maybe something bigger after that. You know, mm-hmm. um, again, it's it's Honda. You know, they once they get something you know finessed, once they, they're experts at it then there's no, you know, stopping them. Exactly. And there's a realm of possibilities in this aviation world, like you said, and technology consistently, we see consistent advancements in that. And I think the benefit with regards to that is you're able to explore what's next and it's always going to be a little bit different and may appeal. And as much as we can predict in five to 10 years, we we don't truly know. And I think that's the Beautiful, beautiful thing about the aviation industry is it can change at a moment's notice. One moment, we can see airlines wanting this, and a couple of years down the track, all of a sudden, a company, let's say Hunter Jets, releases something, and it's like, wow, we weren't expecting that. Bang on, and, and we'll move straight to that. And that's why I think innovation in, in so many different fields is so fascinating, whether it be aircraft, whether it be technology, and, and like you would have seen yourself, looking back 15 years, or however long it may have been, and just seeing those differences... But I'm sure if you went back 15 years, where we are today, I know for me, when it comes to technology, I'm like, you can't fathom it. People talk about it, but yeah. you just can't, you can't actually think about it in your head until we get here. And I just think that that's, that's absolutely right. incredible. Um, so moving on to Vol- uh, Volato, if I pronounce that correctly. I'm Italian myself, and I spend, um, I've had the pleasure of already sitting down with Matt. And I spent so long trying to get my pronunciation correct. And as an Italian, I'm like, I want to get this back on. And even then, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, but obviously, people that may be listening may have heard if they've listened to uh, a previous piece speaking to Matt. But if they're not totally aware about the company, um, could you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, so Volato is, you know, starting off with Matt's vision as... Um, when he was with other companies, he realized that, you know, you've got all these big airplanes that um, are transporting one or two people, maybe four at the most, and it's really a waste of resources. And so he obviously looked around and, and ran into the, the Honda jet. Um, he, of course, told you that, uh, you know, he didn't want to go up front, even though he's a pilot. <laughs> he wanted to sit in the back. And so 
that led to that. And then, of course, uh, you know, we ended up being, or, or when he started it, it was a fractional ownership program. And since then, we've, you know, we've included the aircraft management and the charter once we acquired our 135 uh, charter certificate. So now we can do that and we're, you know, starting aircraft management as well. Um, um, hopefully soon we'll have, you know, maintenance facilities out there as well. Um, so we, we want, and then FBOs, you know, um, training facilities. We, we have a, it's just a company that we provide instructional uh, services to for upcoming pilots. Um, so, you know, the, the vision is to have a, um, an aviation company that does it all. Mm-hmm. And that's... It's not everything. <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot of responsibilities there. Like, like I briefly touched on it and you've, you've gone into even more detail, but the industry is so rich and there are so many fields and I'm sure something you've already experienced is there are so many little nooks and crannies that you guys can explore that you've almost probably got to sit down and determine what is actually best. Um, how do you determine as a company just what is next, especially in this field and how you said you're a company aiming to do everything, but what is the process to, I guess, determine just what is right? Well, we definitely want to pace ourselves. Um, you know, you don't want to find yourself in a position where you're grabbing everything and then you're dropping things off, right? Um, so I think it's more of a priority to this is the resources we have, this is the skill level we have, this is what we're going to do. Um, and then once we finesse that, once we're expert at that, then we start adding you know, more things to it. Um, you know, we see that obviously transportation is is a big uh, need. There's a need for transportation out there as well as aircraft services, which means maintenance. So, um, and for us to do all of that, we need to have the infrastructure. So now we're added, you know, the flight school. Um, and, you know, as, as we grow, once we get everything done, we'll, we'll keep adding those few things on there, like the FBOs and... Um, more training facilities. I think you made a a brilliant point just in your answer there. You said something along the lines of trying to uh, work out and understand something and then building upon that only when you you fully understand that you fully reach that potential and have it, I guess, locked down. I think that's brilliant advice to really anyone if they're exploring their own business, their own maybe company. Um, whether they're an entrepreneur with ideas, I think really solidifying that one thing and, and knowing that you're good at it and you can do it before going into something else. Because like you said, the risk of moving into so many different areas and then it's too much to handle, too much to juggle, and you, you're fa- it's overwhelming. Let's be honest, I think at, at all points in our life, we probably try and do too many things at once, even simply just down to cooking. I mean, if you've got something in the oven, something on the stove, something in the microwave, it can be overwhelming. So taking that time to sort of Take a step back, focus on what you know, and then move ahead with that. And I think that's that's brilliant for a company like you guys to be taking that initiative and really doing it step by step and the right way. Yeah, um, yeah you don't want to add something overcooked to burn. Exactly. Uh, you briefly mentioned the vision at the company, and I guess I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into uh, what led you to make that jump to uh, Volato, and I guess... I already saw in a in a release you did say that it was the vision and leadership, but were there any other areas that really drew you to them as a company? Um, those were the two big ones. You know, the the 
obviously you know Matt's background, right? That was a mm-hmm. huge decision maker for me. Um, Nicholas Cooper's background, you know, individuals such as Josh Newstetter, who, who was my predecessor, um, you know, Jim Lawson's background. And, you know, we were looking at who we were trying to bring on, and uh, and you can see the, the individuals that are now in the company. Um, you know, Mike Crocker, you know, um, it's, we, we have gotten from, you know, individuals that had the vision to individuals that had the skill and expertise now. So we're, I think we're headed the right way and we're getting more and more individuals in our company that are a good, have good firepower either previously or currently in the industry. And I'm sure that having that faith in who's actually in the company is a very, very important decision. And I'm sure that can be applied to anyone wherever they may be entering, uh, whether it's for your case or someone else believing in the project is probably something else that is is very important in making such a big decision. I mean, wherever you go, whether you're taking a job, your first job in, say, journalism or your first job at a company working at the airport, believing in that mission and believing in what they're trying to achieve is is huge. And also being able to work with, like you mentioned, people that also believe in that. I think it's 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 a recipe definitely for success and having a, a good time while doing it. And when I spoke with Matt, that's something he did also say, is in having a good time while doing it was, was such an important thing as well and being surrounded by great people. But people that also knew what they were doing and had that experience as well is, uh, is absolutely brilliant. Now, at the moment, you're the chief pilot and also the director of training, I believe. Correct me if I am and I'm, I'm wrong there. Uh, I thought I'd take a look at both roles for people that may be interested to learn a little bit more about everything. So, beginning off the bat, what goes into being a director of training? So, the gist of it is training. Who, um, who would have guessed it? Know, <laughs> with, yeah, yeah. With, with uh, you know, such oversight that the FAA had for 135 companies and 121 as well, um, we have to make sure, to me, Training is is priority. It's the utmost. Um, it, it's the most important thing, and it has to be done right, um, right from the start. If you do not train your individuals correctly, you know they'll be unsafe. You know they'll feel less confident. Their performance won't be great because they're always going to second guess themselves. Uh, they're not going to be the experts in the aircraft and you know it might reflect down to the customers if the customer asks a question they don't know the answer our maintenance team is calling them and saying hey did you try that did you try that they have no clue what's going on um you know regulations um you know so we we take training very very seriously here at Pilato. um and it has to, you know, working with flight safety, working with, you know, our instructors, our checkermen and, and the FAA, it all needs to come out um, at the end of the day for the candidate that's coming to join our team to get it done right. And, and we can only get better, you know, um, and that's what our, our, our focus is right now is, is our pilots. And that is so, so important. I mean, safety is always of paramount importance, but I'd argue especially in the past couple of years, um, obviously what we've been seeing within the industry and, and, and I think probably for the first time in 
certainly what I've seen, that's really reached the public view as well, which is I know the aviation world is huge, um, but it's also a niche when we get into those finer details. It's very much a niche, but like I said, for the first time I've seen that really break into the general media, whether that be your news at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock or just general social media as well. And I think, therefore, how you were saying, making sure that the training, the safety, everyone knows what they're doing is such a paramount paramount importance, pardon me, to have that customer confidence when someone's choosing to fly with you guys and like you said someone asks a question it's great to then even for the person whether they're the pilot whatever position they're in to then feel confident in themselves to be able to give that answer and know what they're talking about i'm sure is also a great feeling for them and no doubt a great feeling for you who's overseeing it and really organizing it all um and the second part is the chief pilot and i know this was something that interests a lot of people they were like oh chief pilot i've heard of it but what what is it all about so you previously held this role role also at jet it and what goes into it so so they both go hand in hand um you still have to manage your pilots while they're going through training and then once they finish their training and the qualifications now they go into the line now you have to manage them make sure they're always on time make sure their duties are correct, make sure their flight times are correct, make sure their assignments are correct, um, you know, and then make sure that the training is, is recurrently scheduled correctly, um, make sure that their, you know, fatigue is, is never in doubt, you know, uh, make sure that uh, their schedule is correct, you know, they're assigned to the right aircraft, uh, and then help, you know, they, they, there's always going to be a question. We never have the answers to everything as pilots. Um, if you do, then there's something terribly wrong. But, you know, when they have a question, they, they always reach out and say, hey, I've got this trip from here to here. I, I think I can do it. I, I don't think I can do it. Why don't you take a look with me? And we collectively look and make a decision. Um, so, you know, now you, you go from being a instructor role to now a manager mm-hmm. that... Uh, you know, I, I don't see myself as a chief pilot. I see just uh, the chief for the pilots where now I'm just helping them get to where they need to go. And I'm sure that's a, a big responsibility, but I'm curious as, as you've advanced being in this role, maybe it's gotten a bit more natural, but do you ever feel a bit of pressure dealing with the amount of people and maybe the fatigue and making sure everyone's managed so perfect? Likely, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the news recently and there's been such a focus on that fatigue element and potentially people being overworked, does that ever get to you or you really like nailed down and you know exactly um, the ins and outs of everything? Well, it's it's a numbers game, right? Um, you only have 24 hours in a day out of which, you know, maybe you're working 12. And if you get to a point where you've got 20 different airplanes flying around, now you've got 40 pilots. And you can only manage... Um, so many at a given time. So there comes a point where you need assistance. Mm-hmm. And hence now we have an assistant chief pilot in, in, at Valato and we're, we're going to add another one. So then you start delegating. You know, you make teams and, and now the point of contact changes. Um, ultimately, they can always reach out to you when they themselves need help. But, you know, up to a certain point, it, it becomes natural that you know, you can always address the, the concerns and, and help out. Mm-hmm. But if, if you have several issues at the same time, then then obviously you have to, you know, delegate and, and assign those uh, issues with your assistance. Delegating was a huge word in um, my family home growing up. I have a dad 
who works in in the management area back in Australia, which is where I grew up, and uh, he eventually moved into sort of a similar role where he was overseeing it and he was delegating to the people a bit lower, and um, they would come to him if something went bonkers wrong or something like that. And uh, but he would really oversee it, and I, it was nice to see that progression and even the confidence in himself as he was building. And he was originally by himself learning the trade. And I'm sure for you, got a little bit better, a little bit better, more natural at it, to the point where now you guys, how you said, you're bringing in those assistants and teaching them the trade, I'm sure, as well, and explaining how you do this, and you're just the, the one at the top, and just, and I'm sure for you, that also probably fills you with a sense of pride to see how far you've come and to see where you are at now. Um, and look, <laughs> a day in the life is a question I do always like asking. I think it can be somewhat the same but always very different especially in the aviation world because look it, how i said at the beginning it can change from the night to the morning so generally speaking in the best well-rounded way you could say what does a day in the lo life look like in those two roles well it, it it varies you know from monday through wednesday every day is um or at least the morning till mid-afternoon uh, like today was is because we're high rest um, for a while. So Mondays, I Monday, Tuesday, usually interviews. So you're looking at you know hiring more talent to Malato. Then come afternoon, you know maybe you have an aircraft that's broken down. So now you got to look at the whole schedule. You got to help our operations team figure out how you can. They're pretty good at it now uh, themselves. But oftentimes they want to have a second look, and so you jump in and go, I'm going to get this pilot out of here, put him on this airplane, move the airplane here. And, um, so, and then oftentimes you um, get into you know, operations calls, you get into management calls, um, and then when you get a break, you just wind down and, and go play cricket. Cricket. I'm a massive fan of cricket. I, I played it all when I was growing up. <laughs> that is brilliant. Um, what did, did you bowl or bat? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's something satisfying about just whacking it as hard as you can. Um, That's and I guess it's one of those things you said how you wind down and can get and, and play some cricket, but I'm sure how you said you were interviewing people and then an aircraft may break down and you have to do it. It's, it's a job where you can get sleep, but I'm also sure it's a bit of a 24-7 operation for you where being on call, I guess, to a certain extent, because like you said, something can always go wrong when, when you may least expect it. You may have just sat down for dinner and then you may get the call like, hey, this is, we need this adjusting. Um, how do you deal with that? Is that a thing you've gotten used to? Or nowadays, would you say it's just, you know what I mean, second nature? Or is it still to a certain extent when you get that call? Oh, okay, time to put everything aside and, and, uh, and run to whatever I need to do. I've had those moments many a times, um, and you know, look, it's it's what needs to be done. Um, everybody knows that this is this is what we're here for. And when the operations team calls and they need help, and we need to be all hands on deck, then then that's what we got to do. Um, you know, our customers need our help, our pilots need our help, um, and so we just come together and, and figure things out. Um, very rarely do I um, say I'm not available, and if I am, then we've got somebody else uh, that can take over from me. But look, you know, it's it's 
we delve on things like that. We look at look at a puzzle, and then uh, you know when we get to to finishing it, it's just very gratifying. Totally. Um, I spoke with Matt a little bit earlier in the year, and one of the the last points we discussed was 2022 being a very important year for the company. Now, we've sort of already dived into how the interview process has been huge as you guys look on to bring a lot of new talent. In what other areas has 2022 been a big year and an important year for the company? Um, You know, we've we've done so much since uh, 2021 is when I, December is when I started. And in 2022, you know, we've launched, um, not launched, but we've acquired a uh, another certificate up in, uh, down in Houston. Um, you know, we've taken over, um, or just Matt just launched our jet card, you know, here recently. I think it was yesterday. Um, you know, and our collaboration with um, with the flight school that we launched. Um, you know, and we're looking at acquiring or starting that maintenance facility out in St. Augustine, you know, getting a larger facility in St. Augustine. Um, we want to collaborate with several other companies out there to either co-share or acquire and dissolve them within Bellato. Um, you know, and there's there's many other things that, that Matt, knowing him, has up his sleeve. Um, you know, we'd like to collaborate with eventually maybe with some airlines to get a flow through. Um, you know, that would be very attractive to a lot of pilots. So, um, you know, like I said earlier, we want to be that aviation company that uh, does it all. And Matt has certainly the head for that. Like you said, whatever's up his sleeve. You, you never, I'm sure for you, probably never know what, what could be next. Like, we're going to do this, <laughs> going to do that. Um, but that's great. You know, the next day. Um, But that's great, I'm sure, for a company, and I I said that, and I can even tell it about you, being so passionate about it and where it's moving forward is absolutely crucial, and having those ideas, however crazy they may seem, they may actually work, and I'm sure for someone like you hearing all that, it's great to see innovation. We talked about it with the Honda Jets, but also now for the company, seeing you guys really wanting to move forward is a brilliant thing, and also doing it in, in the right manner. And I guess we sort of already, you already sort of covered one of the last questions about the company, and that was some of the goals looking forward. How important do you think having those facilities will be for the company in the coming years? The aesthetics matter, right? Uh, no matter who you are. Um, you can see companies that have um, very good looking facilities, and, and, you know, when a customer comes in and they see a well set up building. You know, it, it just shows that the company cares about their vision and their and the, their um, um, services. So, and of course, we need the room as we grow. You can't have ten people in, in a five five room, a five person room. So, um, you know, we we need the facilities for sure. You know, we need larger training rooms. We need more um, rooms for our operations team, for our maintenance team, for our managers. Um, so that that's going to be you know pretty important for us to get. Um, you've listed so many different areas, and you've mentioned how the company wants to do so many different things. For people that may be younger and are watching and or listening to this, is there any sort of word of advice you would give them if they're looking at making that step eventually into the aviation industry? Would you recommend any sort of ways to increase their knowledge, or maybe there's a course out there that they could do to get into these positions? 
Yes, absolutely. So now's the time, is, is what I always say, if anybody wants to jump into it. But more importantly, you want to do it because you love it, because you want to um, do it. You know, you, you don't want to come into this like, I, maybe I want to try it, you know, I want to see if I like it. You got to have the passion to do it. Um, many um, flight schools out there are now up and running with new equipment. You know, you want to fly aircraft that are more advanced, more modern, uh, because that's what the industry's going. Um, and the sooner you do it, the better, because you want, you know, it takes years to get to a point where now you can be in the airlines and, um, you know, charter operators such as ours. Um, but, you know, put in the effort, you know, it may be long days, you got to maybe fly seven days a week to get those hours. Um, but know that if the industry continues the way it's trending, you know, it's, it's a very good place to be. And uh, I think I've had a few conversations with people actually outside the industry before, but they've dealt with people inside the industry. And I guess one of the main things they've always pointed out and why it's been such a pleasure communicating with, I guess, people like you and many different people is a lot of people that are there are there because they have that passion. And that's always very, very evident and very, very clear. And you were just saying how having that passion and desire to go into a specific role, I think that's one of the beautiful things about the aviation world, whether it be a pilot, whether it just be the front of the company, say, in an airport, or whether it be in in a facility, it's just the love to do that, the will to put in those seven days, the will to work up the hours, the will to do all those courses, and again, how you were talking about the company and having people that are so great, that really then shines through at a lot of these companies, whether it's yours, whether it's other ones, is that that burning love for aviation and to make it better and to really leave a, a footprint on it that, that you're proud of. Um, I thought we'd move into just the last couple of ones regarding future, and that's solely around you. Five to ten years, are there any sort of goals you have or things you wish to accomplish, whether it is aviation or whether it may be with cricket? Um, where do you see yourself in the next five to ten years? Well, I'm definitely not going to go into the U.S. Uh, cricket team anymore. Um <laughs> But, you know, I really, my vision is, is to see the lotto be uh, a force to reckon with, um, you know, leave it or still be in management where it's a well-oiled machine, you know, it's on the rails, it's, it's no longer like we are on our youth stages, it's now in its adult uh, mature stage and everything is just completely um, automated, um, you know, and, and it's... it's Everyone, somebody speaks about aviation, then you know a lot of comes to mind. Totally, and that's I'm sure for you, wherever you are in the next five to ten years, seeing the company progress is for you. I'm going to sure do wonders, and I think for anyone being able to see it move in different stages and know that you were a leading force and you helped with that project and it was a success is a beautiful thing. Whether that be something as dumb as learning how to draw. You begin drawing and you can't do it at all. Or actually, better yet, cricket. You're trying to bat, you're terrible at it, and you progressively get better. And whether you leave it or you keep doing it, you leave it in a better place than when you arrived. And you can look back on that period in your life and be incredibly uh, proud about that. The final question for you is another bit of a, a fun one. If you could fly one aircraft as a passenger for the rest of your life, like you couldn't get on any others, which one would it be and why? And I wanted to mention that Honda Jets is not included in this. It certainly wouldn't be the Honda Jet because mm-hmm. I have my feel for it. Um, <laughs> you know, I think if I were to, 
to pick my aircraft, I think it would probably be one of the Gulfstreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 650 is, is very close to me. I was an instructor on that one. Um, of course, since then, they finessed it and they made the G7. So I think that would be the aircraft that I would probably want to fly in the back. Perfect. Um, thank you very much for taking the time to sit down with me. It's been an absolute pleasure learning more about the company and just you as a person. I think that's the brilliant thing about these chats is while we learn about what you do, we learn about you as a person, your stories and your experiences. So thank you. I really, really appreciate the time and I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Pleasure, you too. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, good. And good luck with everything in the future. I'm really, really excited to see where you guys take it forward. Yep. Keep an eye on this. We'll be here. I'm very excited. All right, take care. You've been listening to DJ's Aviation Podcast, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, offering up your one-stop shop for all things aviation. We discuss aviation news, airline developments, analyze route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to like, rate, and leave a review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Twitter and YouTube at DJ's Aviation. If you're interested in rail, check out our second channel at DJ's Transport. Till next time.